Tale of the Manticore. Bonus material. The story so far. Chapters 31 through 40. What follows over the next few minutes is not an episode of Tale of the Manticore, and it will not take the place of a real episode. It's just bonus content, a mini-summary of the last ten chapters, told in the minimum number of words possible. Let's get right into it. Chapter 31 begins with the companion's search through the first two rooms of the cavern complex in the Brentwood. They learn quickly that it had once been a home to some dozen or so people, but now it is abandoned. When Jace finds and lights an old lantern, a pair of horrors lurking directly over the companions' heads are revealed. Two ragudesas, giant arachnids, are descending from the ceiling to attack. A terrible combat ensues, in which Cole loses his life. The next chapter picks up in the aftermath of that battle. The companions say their goodbyes to the fighter, and then leave the caves. We then cut to Carrick Malmar, who has opened the tomb of something ancient and strange. Within, he finds a crown that once belonged to the kings of Camertine. Whatever enchantments it possesses, as he places it upon his brow, the powers of evil in and around Silmoral take notice. When we rejoin the companions, they have already safely escaped the dangers of the Brentwood, and Yellowfly has decided to lead his party south to the town of Brannon. Chapter 33 begins with the companions making their way to Brannon, in an establishment called the Spinner's Wheel, where they lick their wounds and grieve their fallen comrade. It ends with Carrick Melmar back at White's Joan Castle, trying to exorcise a demon from himself. Unable to do so, the wizard tries to take his own life by hurling himself out the tower window, but he fails to destroy the demon and only succeeds in killing himself. When his broken body rises, it belongs completely to Azor Zul. In the next chapter, Jace officially joins the party, and they return to Silmoral to seek revenge on those who sold them out at the Wind of the Cliffs. Meanwhile, Azor Azul has re-entered the palace. He happens across King Colfrey and his fool, Briar Patches, who are wasting time in the throne room. Azor Azul casts some kind of spell on the king that ruins his mind, but he leaves the jester alone. Chapter 35 starts with the PCs taking bloody vengeance against Janelle for betraying them to the Weeping Eye, though her son easily is spared. Unable to return to their own apartments, the companions must stay with Jace's family in a room above their renewed ironmonger's business. The next chapter begins with Jace visiting his boss, Nudge Pickens. When Nudge tells Jace that it's safe to go home, he's actually using Thieves' Cant to communicate that there's trouble. The code is necessary, because Suro the Mad is in the next room, eavesdropping. He thinks he has everything he needs to make an attack on the ironmonger shop, with all of Jace's companions inside. The shop is raided, but not by Suro. It's the City Watch, led by the late Cole's brother Krell, who's working with the Warlock. Luckily, when they break in, there's nobody home. Jace and the other PCs are safe and sound at the Dunwich Cidery Company. The next day, Yellowfly goes off to speak with Lord Rabbit. When he comes back, they have a new mission. In Chapter 37, the companions visit the Church of the Sacred Flame to receive their new job. They speak with Brother Terragrim, who charges them with the retrieval of the Silverthorn. He also assigns them a cleric, Novice Bazu, who will accompany them. The party makes their way to Mirpool, with its impressive statue of the Paladin King in front of the church. Also in front of the church is a portly, bald-headed man of the cloth. He smiles and waves, but there's something a little off about him. 
In the next chapter, the party checks into the Turning Bull Inn in Mirpool after a long day's travel. Sometime in the middle of the night, Novice Bazu is unexpectedly visited by Catsbane. At first, it seems that the wizard is nervous, unable to sleep, and wishes Bazu to say a prayer over their mission the next day. But it turns out that he is there to give Bazu a warning. The party will betray him. The scene then replays from Romola's perspective. She has magically changed her appearance to look like the wizard. During her visit with Bazu, she learns a few things about the party's mission and plants a magical charm in his bag. Furthermore, she casts the spell Suggestion on him, though what she has proposed we do not yet know. In the morning, the party sets out for the church. There, they meet with an elderly cleric of Sadal, who reads over novice Bazu's letter from Araness and then says a prayer over the party. Inside Bazu's bag, Romola's magic charm begins to twitch. Chapter 39 starts with the party inside Mirpool's Church of Sidal. None of the PCs are aware that Bazu is carrying Night Mother's charm, which inhibits the use of divine magic. The Elder Cleric's prayer fails, but, as he does not suspect foul play, he allows Bazu and his party to pass. There's something else the party is unaware of. Romola, disguised as Catsbane, has planted a magical suggestion in Bazu's mind. If her spell does not wear off before they get back to the inn, the cleric and the sword might disappear forever. But luck is on their side, and the spell does wear off before the party returns. Once Bazu is free of the suggestion spell, he spills the beans and tells the party everything about Catsbane's middle-of-the-night visit, which of course the real Catsbane disavows. The situation is confusing, but Yellowfly realizes that they have a valuable chance to turn the tables on Catsbane's doppelganger. He doesn't intend to waste it, so he arranges for some of them to be in Bazu's room when they arrive. The others will block any retreat, and the imposter will be trapped. The last chapter in this run, Chapter 40, begins with the real Catsbane and Romella, the imposter Catsbane, standing face to face on either side of the door to Bazu's room at the Turning Bull Inn. When the illusionist realizes her deception has failed, she runs for it. But the party is ready for that. Jace blocks the way to the front door and forces Romola to run the other way, right past Shawnee, who is waiting, magically invisible, to perform a backstab. Despite Shawnee's successful hit, Romola gets away, running outside and disappearing into the falling snow. Back in Zilmoral, Captains Krell and Sidwan have been busy dealing with the fallout from Colfrey's sudden impairment. Krell chooses to keep the king in his own dungeon while creating a fiction to cover Colfrey's absence. With Colfrey effectively out of the picture, the captains are positioned to be the two most powerful people in Sir Moral. But, can they truly trust one another? <laughs>